0: Hello, and welcome to the Heathen's Journey podcast. I'm your host, Siri Vincent Pluff, and I'm so glad you're here. This is the show where I explore heathenry through a queer lens. We will be talking about traditional witchcraft, runes, folklore, and so much more. Join us, won't you, as we journey to the ends of the nine realms and back. Well, hello there, heathens and weirdos. It has been a while since the last time I recorded a podcast episode. I didn't intend to take a mini hiatus, but here we are. The reason for the hiatus is actually very positive. I'm married now. And with all of the extra errands and work that come with planning even a very small COVID-safe quarantine wedding, I had to drop something, and that something ended up being this podcast. But not to worry, I'm back. I have also launched the registration period for the Witchcraft Immersion 2021. This is a year-long program focused on helping you to grow in your witchcraft practice. I designed this course to help others develop their own uh, systems around witchcraft. Most of the witches I know work primarily in solitude but are craving community. Many witches don't thrive in the coven structure and want something different. I want to be able to cast spells together or to learn from mentors without the long-term commitment of joining a coven. Witchcraft is a skill and it's a practice. It's something that you cultivate and grow and something you can learn more about the more you talk with other people. There's also a definite spiritual aspect of witchcraft that you can only tap into with the extended time and practice. More information on the program is on the website in the show notes, and I'll be talking about it more at the end of this podcast episode, so stick around and listen all the way to the end. Today, I'll be talking about the specific energy that we're all living in right now and how to care for ourselves, but I will also be talking about the holidays, specifically alpha bloat, and how to honor spirits of the dead at this time. It's been a challenging year for all of us, and this fall feels particularly potent. Obviously, we've got some big changes happening. I've had some big changes happening on a personal level, but there is so much in the air that we have been managing. COVID, the upcoming election, the fight for civil rights, all of it is heavy in the air. On top of that, we have been some challenging astrology that is forcing us to confront how we act in anger, conflict, and our aggressive sides. Mars has been retrograding through Aries, and we've been feeling that extra fire for a while now. And as of last week, Mercury is also retrograding and will not station direct until the US election on November 3rd. I am not an astrologer, so I won't get into the wild astrology that has ruled 2020, but I will say, if you can give yourself extra grace, do it. If you can slow down, do it. Now is the time to be putting all of those self-care practices to good use. And remember that you're not alone in the struggle. We're all facing it together. Here are some self-care tips for this time from my witch's cabinet to yours. Meditation. I know, I know, this one's a little obvious, but honestly... We could all use the extra headspace right now. Meditation has been my go-to for when I realize, oh, I'm starting to get a little bit more anxious than normal. Time to kind of center and ground back in. Candles and incense. With all of this fiery energy, candles can feel extra supportive right now. Choose scents that are calming or significant to you. I personally associate Freya with the smell of a specific honey and amber incense, and so whenever I burn that particular incense, I feel her support. Clean your home. We'll talk about this a little bit more later in the podcast, but cleaning your space can have a demonstrable change on your mood, especially in this, the eighth month of quarantine. Giving our homes a refresh is essential. Epsom salt baths. I know that for myself, a witch who struggles with chronic pain, it's been incredibly difficult to manage pain while not being able to get any massage or body work done this year. Yes, baths are often at the top of all those online self-care lists, but honestly, a good long Epsom salt soak really helps my muscles and nerves feel better and more functional. Baths can also ease some of the tension from this very fiery sky. In working with Kari, my teacher in Nordic ways, I've learned that Saturdays were washing days for my ancestors. They would wash their hair, their bodies, and clean their homes on Saturdays. It's a good day to do these chores, and in doing so, to process the week behind and get ready for the week ahead. Our spaces really have such a huge impact on how we feel and our lives. It's tangible. As we turn to the darker side of the year in the Northern Hemisphere, perhaps now is a good time to clear out all the things that are no longer useful to you or bring you joy. If you're in the Southern Hemisphere, I suppose now is a good time for the spring cleaning. The transitional seasons feel like a good time to do this work, time when we're either preparing for the next phase or simply feel less of a direct attachment to things. The other thing I think about with this transition into winter is how my ancestors would have been working feverishly to prepare for winter. I've been thinking a lot about different pagan models of time. Many witches, when we first start out, are taught the Wheel of the Year, and according to that calendar, we're coming up on Samhain, the Witch's New Year. So I have loved Samhain for a large part of my life. Halloween has always been my favorite secular holiday. Costumes and candy? Yes, please! Spooky ghost stories? Always! So when I was first learning about witchcraft, I loved the idea that Samhain is actually one of the most important holidays of the year. It made sense to me. I have always felt the spears more closely at this time of year. I have always found this to be a great turning point in my year. Of course, Samhain was popularized largely through Gerald Gardner, adapting the Celtic Wheel of the Year for Wicca, and so it has become popularized outside of that original pagan culture. There's nothing wrong with this, per se. Gardner was Celtic and did attempt to argue that he was just spreading the practices of his own coven, which he claimed was an unbroken tradition. However, it's important to recognize that the Wheel of the Year is spread out in such a way because of its association with the natural rhythms of the Anglo-Celtic Isles. For example, when I was trying to celebrate the Wheel of the Year, in bulk as the first day of spring, never made sense to me because we usually have three more months of winter after February 1st here in Minnesota. I know a lot of witches who shift what the Sabbaths mean to them to celebrate them on the original Gregorian calendar days. In this case, Imbolc would not mean the beginning of spring for me, but the fire to endure the rest of the winter. I also know witches who move the dates of their personal sabbats to better reflect the seasons where they live. Witches who follow the wheel of the year in the southern hemisphere, or who venerate ancestors who lived in the southern hemisphere, often invert the wheel of the year. For those witches, it's not Samhain coming up, but Beltane. One of the most beautiful aspects of following the Wheel of the Year is feeling aligned with a large community of witches. Holidays help us to mark time, but they also serve as reminders to celebrate in community. They are important times to gather and celebrate our accomplishments, mourn our losses, and prepare for things to come. Even as a solitary witch, especially around this time of year, there's a comfort in knowing that other people are celebrating the same things you are. The Wheel of the Year is a powerful, comforting passage of time for a lot of people. And yet, it doesn't work for everyone. The more I lean into my Norse heritage and study Nordic magic, the more this holiday doesn't feel like mine. In a way, I will always celebrate Samhain, being a professional witch in the 21st century and an avid lover of all things Halloween. But my own practice has shifted so much from Anglo-Celtic practices that it makes sense to mark 2020 as a year to change things up. I plan on spending a lovely All Hallows' Eve setting up our new apartment with my spouse, carving pumpkins, perhaps baking some treats, reading each other ghost stories, and watching people parade around in costumes from the safety of our balcony. It's okay to just celebrate secular Halloween. It's something I've done since I was a child and something I've deeply loved my entire life. But the next day, I will celebrate Alpha Bloat. I'll talk a lot more about what that means after this short sponsor break. Needfire Wellness and Apothecary is committed to offering high quality supplies, information, and learning experience for magic practitioners. The Needfire team believes that magic practice is an internally enriching and transformative endeavor that can look very different dependent on the practitioner. Needfire pays particular care to offering opportunities for learning and practicing Nordic folk magic and folk roots tradition. And I'm so thrilled about this personally, but Needfire Wellness recently expanded to offer an online esoteric apothecary, spell work and magical resource shop. I love them so much, and I am so excited to share that love with you. Head on over to needfirewellness.com and use code Heathen Journey at checkout for 10% off your purchase of materials or classes. Again, the code is Heathen Journey PODDEN for 10% off your purchase. Enjoy and make magic wildly. Mm-hmm. Norwegian Primstav calendar marks October 14th as the first day of winter. This is the day when we switch to the winter side of the calendar and marks the shift in seasons. I may have mentioned the Primstav elsewhere on this podcast. I have definitely talked about it on Instagram and in my newsletters. This is a Norwegian folk calendar that each household had. It was a wooden stick with all of the summer-side saints' days on one side and the winter-side saints' days on the other. The prim stuff was developed in response to the conversion to Christianity in Norway. The move from a paganism that was so closely related to the land to Christianity and the Gregorian calendar, plus all the saints' days of Catholicism, meant it was a lot to keep track of. Each of the symbols on the primstav have folklore associated with them that is supposed to remind whoever was using the primstav about the particulars of that saint's day or other folk traditions. The primstav is then a living relic of folklore. They were often made by hand and passed down through the generations. There are primstavs in Norwegian history and culture museums, both here in the United States and in Scandinavia. As far as I know, my own family doesn't have a stove, but I have a stick to begin making my own. I've been following the primstav holidays with a guide, and a group of us here in Minnesota are starting to develop our own ideas of the primstav. One of the considerations that we, as Norwegian-Americans, have to make when attempting to reconstruct the ancestral practices of our people is that the land here has its own rhythm that is different from where our ancestors came from. And our relationship with the land is impacted by the generations of colonization that our ancestors have perpetrated. It's important for us to get to know this land in its own context, but not to appropriate any of the traditions of the people indigenous to this land. One of the most important ways to do this is to get to know the land spirits where we live. Learning about the plants that grow here, the animals that live among us, and to leave offerings for this land are essential. There are many ways to care for the land, but the most important thing is to show respect. Pick up the litter around your home, perhaps choose a tree to check in on and water regularly. Grow a garden that supports the local pollinator population. I love to mark the seasons by following the same walking path through my neighborhood. While I walk, I notice the plants that are blooming at different times of the year, the subtle changes and shifts in energy. I check in with specific trees that I love on the path. If you're interested in phenology or the study of the seasons and plants, it's always recommended to choose a specific sitting spot and notice the changes around you over the course of the year. When I create my own Primstav, I will create it in honor of my own relationship to the land that I live on. Looking at the Primstav while living here in Minnesota means that I need to think about whether or not it makes sense to mark the beginning of winter on October 14th. Actually, this does make sense to me. As I'm writing this podcast script, we're getting our first real snow of the year, much to the chagrin of the people I know. Yes, it is still technically fall, but mid-October feels like the winter side of fall to me, if that makes sense. This is the date that shows the real shift to winter preparation. At this time, my ancestors would have been preparing the home for winter. This is known as slaughter month in Old Norse calendars, meaning this is the time when a lot of the slaughtering and meat preservation for the winter would have been happening. My ancestors would have used as much of the animal as possible hooves, horns, bones, meat, organs, and even this, uh, the hide. This is also traditionally the time of the hunt. Here's another synchronicity in Minnesota. Our hunting season starts in November, a bit later than it started in Norway. Slaughter month is also the time of the wild hunt in European folklore. I hope to do another full episode just on the Wild Hunt, but it feels important to introduce it at this time. The Wild Hunt is a time when Odin, in his most ecstatic state, leads spirits around the countryside hunting lost souls. The spirit realm feels closer because we can feel them moving rapidly. The general unrest in the spirit realm might lead to a sense of anxiety or unrest in your own mind. Are we lost? Will the wild hunt come for us? What can we hold on to as the days get shorter? Another interesting correspondence that I know of with um, winter and summer and seasons is that when we are kind of slowing down for the winter, it means that the spirits are speeding up. So things were often reversed between our world and the world of the dead or the world of the spirits. That's why so many weapons um, in graves are uh, broken is because they were intended to be used in the afterlife and you would break it so that it wasn't usable in this life, but could be used by spirits after passing. So it's also interesting to think of when we are winding down with fall, perhaps the spirits are speeding up with spring. Um, just something to think about. Of course, all of this brings us to Alpha Bloat. Alpha Bloat is the sacrifice to the elves. Bloat means sacrifice, elf means elf. This is one of the most difficult holidays to research because it was the most insular holiday. This was a holiday celebrated within families who lived together. This could mean just you and your roommates, just you and your parents or children, or just you on your own. Travelers on Alpha Bloat would often have a hard time finding a place to stay because everyone was celebrating the holiday just with their nuclear family. We know from the name that there was some kind of sacrifice offered to the elves on this date, and that there were elves considered closest to the farm at this time. The word sacrifice might have some dramatic connotations to a modern ear. However, I would like to posit that a sacrifice in this context really means giving up something that you have in honor of the elves and frere, or whomever you give your sacrifice. It goes back to the idea of reciprocity that runs through most of my own heathenry. In the episode on Fehu on wealth, we talked about how this is a more generative wealth than what we are used to in this capitalist society. It is intended to generate wealth for a community, not just an individual. When giving a sacrifice for alpha bloat, you are distributing some of the cream or water or ale or coffee or whatever from your own home to the land of the elves. Common offerings for elves include water, cream, porridge, ale, and blood from roasted meat. This could be left at an outdoor altar or perhaps in the four cardinal directions of your home. It would make sense to leave the offering outside, as the elves are nature spirits and are therefore most likely to receive the offering when it is outside. Now, whenever we talk about these specific heathen holidays, it's important to get into the mindset of the Norse. In other words, who are these elves? Elves show up in Nordic folklore and myth in a lot of different forms. They are beautiful beings, full of magic, who dwell in Ljøsavheim. The lines between the elves and other mythic beings, like the Vanir, dwarves, giants, and land spirits, are blurry. When my friend Minta was on the podcast earlier this year, we talked about how things can be elf-like, or people having a bit of the elvish in them, as being magical. It's likely that there wasn't a clear distinction between the different magical beings. In general, elves are nature spirits. Tolkien based his own races of elves, in large part on elves in Norse myth. If you're familiar with the fae folk in Celtic lore, you'll be familiar with the moral ambiguity of elves. In general, any spirit has a different sense of morality than humans do. Rules just work differently in the spirit realm. This does not mean that the spirits or elves are evil, but rather that it's incredibly important to communicate clearly with them and set firm boundaries. There are some elves, like the Tomte or Nissa, who are household spirits and help to protect the home. There are other elves who may have more nefarious goals in mind, so you need to be careful as you are getting to know spirits. Freyr's home is in the land of the elves, his great golden hall in Losalfheim. He is often one of the most prominent members of the Vanir, and this connection means that people associate the elves with the Vanir. There's at least one old poem that refers to the Vanirs as elves, and we can kind of look at other poems that were written on the same topic and see how um, the Vanir and elves are a correlation. Frere himself is the god of and so Alpha Bloat can be seen as a sacrifice to him as well, coming at the end of the harvest season. We give our sacrifice to the elves just as we're pulling in the last part of the harvest. It's like giving thanks for the blessings of Freyr this season. It is said that our masculine ancestors turn into elves after death, whereas feminine ancestors turn into Disir. So, in this way, Alphabloat is also a time to venerate our masculine ancestors. If you find yourself thinking of your grandfather or great-grandfather at this time, it means that he is drawing nearer to you. Your ancestral elves may be protectors, whereas other elves may be more dangerous to interact with. So, of course, at this time, it might make more sense to try to be specific about who you're talking to. If you want to get to know the elves that are direct, um, directly related to you, then now is the time to call them in. It's a common theme in Norse literature that if you meet a traveler, they are very likely some kind of spirit in disguise. In the last episode, the interview with Johannes, he talked about the seer's walk and how any person or people that you meet on that walk might be a spirit with knowledge or wisdom to impart, or they may have something important to say about the... Upcoming year, or the whatever you're trying to find clarity around. This could be a part of why this holiday was so secretive. It's just for direct family, and those who are not direct family might be viewed as elves or spirits trying to get in. Part of the reason the elves are so close at this time is that every spirit is looking for a warm place to stay for the winter. Of course, winter was a huge deal to Nordic peoples. In Norway, it was even customary to bring the cattle, sheep, and other farmyard animals into the home to ensure they were safe and warm for the winter. So any elves who are not associated with a household may be looking to sneak in on this day. Again, it's important to have healthy boundaries with the elves. Coming back to the present, this great degree of secrecy around familial alpha bloat celebrations means that we have a bit of freedom to determine what we want to do for alpha bloat ourselves. My teacher, Kari, associates the day to celebrate this with the full moon of late October slash early November. Again, Alpha Bloat is celebrated in Slaughter Month, which doesn't necessarily follow the Gregorian calendar. This year, that happens to be on Halloween, so I am personally planning my own celebrations at this time. I won't tell you what I'm going to be doing because of the secrecy, but rather I plan on giving you some ideas. Paramount to celebrating this holiday is a sacrifice to the Elves. Like I said earlier, that could be offerings of cream, porridge, blood from a meat roast, ale, whatever feels right. Because these Elves are associated with our masculine ancestors, you can think of things that particular masculine ancestors of yours might have loved. Get out any photos or mementos you have from them and place them on your altar or any other centrally located place. If your great-grandfather loved coffee, pour him a cup. It is often customary to leave alcohol as an offering, but think about this before you do it. If the person you want to honor was sober, or perhaps they had a drinking problem, then alcohol is not the best offering. Whatever you leave, Whenever you leave offerings to the ancestors, think about who you're leaving offerings to and why. You wouldn't want to offend them, or set them off on bad patterns, or just... Give them something they don't want. I think it's also a very good time to set spiritual boundaries. Update the warts on your home for winter and the season of the wild hunt. Perhaps spend some time with the spirits of your specific home. I'm talking about the land whites who protect the land that your home is built on. Thank them for all that they have done over the year and request their continued protection. If you live in the southern hemisphere, think about how you could be giving a sacrifice to the elves for the coming summer. Think about the magic that they have to offer you as you move forward in your year, and think of these sacrifices and offerings as a sort of prayer for a good harvest and active season. Now is a great time to clean your whole house. This can be lovely as a ritual of readiness. If you are new to heathenry, this could also be a very good time to simply read old folktales and learn the ways of the elves. Take the day to relax at home with a good book, a cup of tea, and dream of elves. However you celebrate this fall, know that your ancestors are close and support you. Blessed be. Now, I promised more information about the witchcraft immersion at the end of this episode, and I do not want to disappoint you. This is, like I already mentioned, my year-long course. This is the second year that I will be teaching it, and I am so excited to welcome in a new batch of students. It starts again in January 2021, and the enrollment period goes through November 30th. This is a course in learning to unlock your own magic. We'll be talking a lot about different methods of witchcraft, history, and building up our own magical selves. This is not a specific lineage of witchcraft, though I will draw heavily from modern traditional witchcraft and heathenry. This course is ideal for those who are largely solitary, who would like support in developing their spiritual practice, and pushing themselves to learn more practical skills within witchcraft. We will meet via Zoom on Sunday evenings from 6pm to 8pm Central Standard Time. The class is a combination of meditation, lecture, and discussion and or activities. Sometimes we will be working on the theoretical level, and sometimes we will actually perform magic in class. You will also gain access to the Northern Lights Witch Discord and a special secret channel just for Witchcraft Immersion 2021 students. One of the most important experiences of your year in the witchcraft immersion will be creating your very own magical record. This is a journal that will help you discern what works and what doesn't in your craft. In this book, you will complete journal prompts, homework slash research assignments, and keep track of your spells and their results. You will also have discounts on all of my standalone classes that I teach throughout the year, as well as discounts on readings with me in the shop. Want to learn more? Head on over to my website and schedule your discovery call today. You will need to set up a chat one-on-one with me to register for the course, so that is your first step. I also believe firmly in being paid for my time while also making it possible to provide this class for others who may not be able to afford it. That's why I've set up a scholarship fund to be able to provide scholarships for those in need, especially by POC, queer, trans, and single-parent witches. Info for donating to the scholarship fund and applying for a scholarship are in the show notes or on the Witchcraft Immersion page on my website. Now, I would love to have more of you in my class. And like I said, I am just so excited to be welcoming in the next round of students. So uh, feel free to reach out if you have any questions. And I hope to see some of you in my discovery sessions soon. And that is it for today's episode of the Heathen's Journey podcast. A huge thank you and shout out to all of my students and patrons for making this work available. If you want to become a patron and support the podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash northernlightswitch. I post full moon and new moon ritual guides, rune readings for each of the turning of the zodiac season, and so much more. If you would like to follow me in between episodes, you can find me on Instagram at northern.lights.witch or on Twitter at northlightwitch. Until next time, stay weird.